Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Erica. I'm Steve. And I'm Sarah. And uh, we are a couple of weeks into not just our Advent series, but the season of Advent itself. So, uh, so far in our conversations, we have uh, taken a look at the case for Advent. Why do this weird season that uh, churchers get excited about and other people scratch their heads over? Why keep time in this strange way with counting off weeks, whether four weeks or for extra credit, the long Advent of seven weeks? And today, what should we make cases about sarah hymns why should we have advent hymns uh this is a particular question that i get quite a bit in my ministry um you know people don't naturally want to sing the advent hymns because it's december Mm -hmm. uh on the radio is all of the great christmas carols both christian and secular So why aren't we singing Christmas hymns? Why are we making the people sing these minor key, sad, sad songs when they just want to sing Away in a Manger? Which is, uh, by the way, also kind of a sad sounding song. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, all right. So I know that your tongue was a little bit in cheek there, but this is something to name that while Christian history and hymnody has a pretty deep bench of uh, songs and hymns and even really going far back chants that are rooted to uh, Advent as a season. Um, They are distinctive in a lot of ways. I mean, to paint with a kind of broad brushstroke, you're often talking about hymns that aren't the celebratory, we're there yet. It's more that we're we're waiting and we're not there yet. So that the text feels uh, like we're delaying gratification. The melodies feel different. What, what, what are other things that come to mind when you think of the stereotypical Advent hymn? There's a lot of target of darkness in these okay. hymns. Uh-huh. Um, and, and gloom and kind of almost a dread. Okay. Um, and, and that presents a whole host of challenges. I mean, like on the one hand, in a season where you're progressively lighting candles, it makes sense that the metaphor of adding more light makes more sense. And we kind of have this, I think, a little bit romanticized sentimental picture that when Jesus is born, he's born at night because the shepherd part of the story happens at night where they're keeping their, you know, watch of their flocks by night. So, you know, a lot of the artwork has, you know, it's it's cozy and they're there in the stable and it, there's candles lit or something like that. So there's 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 all that and all that stuff going on. Um, but yeah, there, there's darkness as a theme and light. What, what, what else? There's often, I don't know if this is so much a theme, but there's a lot of hymns about the characters that we hear about in Advent. Mm -hmm. In particular, there seems to be a couple of really good John the Baptist hymns, right? That these hymns are um, focused on this one character in the biblical story. And that's weird in a couple of ways, because like we, we began to talk in a previous episode that it's possible in this season, if you're going to set aside time to talk about 
preparing for Christmas that you might lean toward the, the people who were part of the infancy story, like Mary and Joseph or Elizabeth, but adult John the baptizer, he's like a whole other, you know, a generation later before Jesus starts his public ministry. And that's a little bit weird. Uh, I mean, for folks who are keyed into some version of electionary, they'll be getting stories about John the baptizer, but there's a weird time jump in. Okay. In the part of the service, we're singing about Mary. And then later on, we're talking about, you know, John, who is Jesus' cousin. That, that, that has a weirdness to it. That has to be a Lutheran thing because I don't think we have any hymns that talk about John the Baptist in my tradition. So interesting because we we've got um uh, a, a classic one in um in our uh, hymnody is on jordan's bank the baptist cry um which is funny because like in my ears i i hear baptist as like oh you, like like the denomination but it's no john <laughs> the baptizer um and i think a number of other uh, hymns are woven with the imagery even if they don't name him but like mm -hmm. lots of imagery about being you know the the voice in the wilderness crying out because that so often gets brought into this season of you know the, the idea of preparing the way for the lord so we'll get lots of our hymns prepare the royal highway or um uh rejoice There's a voice Re in the wilderness yeah yeah but so like okay so that's that's a reality that there are some christians who are observing this season with weird hymns about figures that maybe we don't necessarily think of as Christmas or Advent figures like John the Baptizer. The, the text and the poetry is distinctive. Often, let's be honest, the melodies of these kind of hymns can be, let's say, somber, more haunting, more solemn, often minor key. Or if you've got something really, you know, with, with some, some centuries of age behind it, like the classic O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, it feels sparse, almost like a chant. So, the, I mean, those are forms that people aren't necessarily used to as well that makes this a little bit harder. I love the hymns that blur the line between Advent and Christmas. Yeah. Mostly because those are the hymns that... Um, I can kind of stick in there, especially right around like the third week of Advent, where people are really starting to get antsy about wanting to sing Christmas carols. <laughs> and I'm like, no, not yet. We have to sing Advent first. Um, that's a great time to sing these hymns that blur the line, um, sure. either because they think that they're Christmas, like, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel kind of hits that, you yeah. know, that, that spot mm -hmm. in people's hearts mm -hmm. that makes them think that they're singing a Christmas song yeah and it's and, and it's like uh, if you pay attention to the words it's this is an advent hymn it's yeah. talking about Jesus coming like as a thing to anticipate as a thing mm -hmm. to wait for yeah. as a thing to pray for yeah. O Come O Come Emmanuel is an advent hymn that people kind of place it in their mental file with Christmas hymns uh, similarly, so does Joy to the World. Right. Joy yeah. to the World is an Advent hymn, and yet people, because it's major key, it's bright and cheerful and loud and talking about joy, uh, people think that it's Christmas. Our most recent hymnal in the, uh, the ELCA actually does this really clever thing where they put Joy to the World as the very last Advent hymn yep. right before the Christmas hymns start. So it it's kind of, again, blurring that line and like even mm -hmm. recognizing that, hey, this is this hymn that people think is Christmas, even yeah. though it's like, if you look at the lyrics, it's Advent. Um, I know that my current congregation has a tradition of singing joy to the world on Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. because again, 
it's they're singing joy has you know joy yeah. come to the world but you know joy is come because sure. jesus is arriving and and so that we don't end up just sounding like we're you know, like fussing about inside baseball rules that nobody else in the world cares about. I think this may be a moment for us to to like start making the case for if you're going to have a distinctive set of hymns and poetry or songs that that have a particular emphasis and that that stand out both in their text and then their melodies and their harmonies um, and in their the, the the tone that they create. Why do that? I guess for me this feels like it's parallel to a conversation we've probably had in some form before about the need for being able to to lament in our culture in a culture that isn't good at lament i mean like that that we are so quick to want to skip the things that are sad or delayed gratification or are unresolved to move to the where is the happy ending where is it all you know tied up in a nice bow and we need we need the ability to stay in those places if it's not resolved yet, it hasn't come yet. And we need to be able to, to talk about that, pray about that, sing about that. And for me, that's a really important part about why for me, it's important that um, I not cheat every Sunday in Advent and say, and now we're going to sing, Oh, come all ye faithful all December along as much as I might love it. And my eight-year-old daughter would sing that, you know, top of her lungs every Sunday. There's a, there, there's a reason for it. And for me, it has a lot to do with the, the need for, for living in that space of, of lament. And we do lament well for Lent. You know, we've got <laughs> lots of hymns that, you know, talk about Good Friday and Holy Week and all these things. And we're okay waiting for those Easter hymns until Easter Sunday. Yeah. But we're not okay to do the same thing for Advent. Yeah. Part of me wonders I blame... if... Go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I blame the radio. Yep. And oh, yeah, like man, yeah. The, the secular nature that has become Christmas it's mm-hmm. so hard. Like you can't, how do you convince congregations that, to wait for Christmas hymns when they've been listening to Christmas music all month long? Right. There, right. Like there's no secular Easter songs. Yeah. At least not songs. Yeah. They, and, and even the, 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 the bigger deal the culture makes in terms of candy and things like that isn't nearly what, what the wider culture does with Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I guess I feel like, you know, the, the, the same way anybody who's lived through grief and loss knows that it is not helpful the day of a funeral or the day after the funeral to say, aren't you over it yet? I mean, like, no, that people need that space that like, can, can we not also recognize that there's value in letting the, 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 the lack of resolution that the tension that's there in Advent build so that then there's a sense of appreciation when it finally comes. And also like, how do we talk about like that God's there with us even before the celebration? Again, I, I think we're good at saying God's there in the happy moments. Oh, the baby's born. Good. God's there. But like, how do we talk about God's presence in the experience of exile? And, and for me, mm-hmm. one of the themes I really, really value in many Advent hymns is that feeling of living in exile that comes really to the fore in like, Oh, come, O come Emmanuel, you know, ransom captive Israel that mourns and lonely exile here. And that puts us in that spot of, we're living in that sort of in-between space of not really home, of not really feeling settled. And where's God there? Oh, God's with us even in exile. That's a really important idea. Um, and to, to me, it feels like we, we need that so that it's not like God's absence until we get to Christmas, but God's even with us in the waiting. 
I, I think that's so important for us to hear and live into right now. Um, I just did a stewardship series um, in October on exile um, mm. and connecting it to COVID mm-hmm. um, because in the Bible, we see so many different cycles of exile and return, um, you know, not just the Babylonian exile, but also Jacob. Sure. Um, and so I use this program from salt. This isn't an ad, but um, <laughs> it's a great, it was a great program. If you're looking for a stewardship program, you should look them up. Um, but I, I think that that's also true for Advent to recognize that for many of us, even though we were at home, it, COVID at times felt like exile, exile yeah. from our normal life, exile from our family and friends, um, exile from our church. Yeah. And, you know, Zoom or live stream in a lot of ways just doesn't cut it. It's better than nothing, but it's not the same. And then we would get to come back for a while. And then occasionally then COVID would make put us back in exile. Um, and we don't know what the next couple months are going to look like with the new variant um, and what that means for vaccinations and whether or not our vaccinations are going to work against it. But it, it's a cycle of going out into exile and then getting to come home again um, to a new normal or the now normal. Um, but yeah, I think especially this Advent, as we are waiting for the second coming of Christ and remembering the birth of Christ, what does it mean to be to be lamenting this exile cycle now? Yeah. And especially, I'm so glad you made that connection to COVID because I, I, I have been thinking about how in the the stories around the Babylonian exile, so, you know, like the, the, the late part of the story we call the Old Testament, um, there were those voices um, who are now remembered as false prophets who said things like, it's going to be fast, it'll be quick, just ignore it, it'll blow over, we'll be back home soon. So maybe today the Babylonians at the door, but you know, you know, God wouldn't let us go through something bad. And then it was the correct prophets, the true, you know, the voices like the Jeremiah's who are like, no, this is going to be a while, get used to living in exile, things are going to be out of sorts. And just because you get bored of it or don't like it doesn't mean it's over. Get used to it. This is this is where things need to be for a while. And God will be with us in exile. That that idea, I think, was so, so important for, you know, ancient Israel and Judah's faith that for a while they had sort of assumed everything will be fine because God lives in our land, in our temple, and God wouldn't let any bad things happen. That's how we know everything's going to turn out all right. And when they were forced to look at, we're carried away from our land, the temple where we thought God lived got destroyed. Did God get defeated or is God only there back in our homeland? Or No, they had to discover God was there with us, even in the waiting, even if it wasn't all perfect, like they wanted it to be yet. And that that tension, that longing of it, it's not everything that we're hoping for, but God's with us here along the way. That seems like a really, really important thing to be able to say and to hear. And in, in, like you say, in particular this year. When, when I think of Advent, you know, and, and I get the connection to the exiles and stuff, but throughout most of the exiles in the old Testament, there were prophets still speaking for God. Like there's a sense that God is still trying to communicate with his people. I think of those 400 years after the Old Testament, but before the New Testament begins, mm-hmm. where there aren't prophets speaking, where there is this silence. And, and so it makes me wonder if that's part of the reason why it's so hard 
to, for us to create or have Advent hymns, because how do you sing about silence? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, it just, as a musician, you know, silence is used in music to build up to something right. oftentimes. Right, and, right. But like, if you have this whole season of silence, how do you convey that through music? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, like, as, as you raise that question, I, when I think about the hymn texts that uh, come to mind when I think of, of Advent hymns, um, it's often, it's reaching further back to the period of, like, before that silence, it's it's the, the visions from late in Isaiah, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, you know, the, the springs in the desert and the prepare the way mm-hmm. of the Lord, especially because so much of that imagery of preparing the way gets borrowed again to talk about, make sense of who John the baptizer is. So yeah, but like when hymn writers uh, had to make sense of what did it mean that, that the Messiah was finally coming, they had to reach back further to the, 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 prophets around the exile and, and maybe because they didn't have anything more immediate uh to 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 reach for yeah that's that's a good point um i i guess i i wonder um like I, there, there, we talked about this this difficult tension of you know there, there's an impulse for for folks in our congregations to want to lean into christmas it's possible to be super super pedantic and be like no we'll only like how do you how do you practically live in that tension of people want this there's good liturgical reasons to do this how do how do you navigate that uh in in your actual real lived out ministry i know some people make that this is a hill i'm going to die on we shall not sing anything christmasy until december 25th not even on christmas eve and others who are more like okay you know we're 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 working our way toward christmas and and how, how do you how do you practically deal with this if there's a reason for singing advent hymns where do you where do you uh, I guess, make decisions for what you do, how you lead singing. As somebody who's a non-lectionary preacher, typically, and I, I mentioned this last week or the week before, um, I try to throw in at least one Advent hymn every week mm-hmm. during the season, just to remind folks, like, it's not just pre-Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Jesus hasn't come yet. We're still waiting. Um but that's also partially, you know, my tradition just doesn't have a lot of good Advent, you know, does not have enough Advent hymns that are known and singable to do 12 of them in the season of Advent. Yeah. Um, and then, and my people don't understand that Christmas doesn't start until the December 25th and then runs 12 days. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if we want to get all the Christmas tunes in that we want to sing, you know, we can't just do it on Christmas Eve, the Sunday after Christmas, and maybe if there's a Sunday between there and Epiphany, like, we're not going to hit all their favorites. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I think for me, practically, if if your congregation is not used to singing any Advent hymns, um, then you have to look at it as a big picture, long-term project, not mm-hmm. a Hey, this year we're only going to sing Advent hymns during the month of Ad during the month of Advent, um, because that's going to be super off-putting if you're learning, like Erica said, twelve new hymns. Like that's a lot. Um, so you have to think about about long term and introduce Advent hymns like you would any hymn. Um, that by introducing it a little bit slowly, 
having it as the prelude for one Sunday or the communion music, something where they're just hearing it and they're not singing it. Maybe having it again with special music where somebody is singing it and like demonstrating in front of the people like this is the tune, these are the words, um, and then having the people sing it. Um, so if you haven't done Advent hymns at all, do it slowly. Like this does mm-hmm. not have to be a, ooh, this year, all Advent hymns <laughs> all the time. No, no, don't do that. Just pick a new hymn and teach it for that year. And then the next year, make sure you're singing that hymn, um, but also introduce a new hymn. And if you find that in July, that Advent hymn that you introduced in December somehow fits with what you're preaching or some of the themes or the mm-hmm. readings or something, sing it again, even though it's July. Like you can sing Advent hymns during the other times of the year if it fits. Like there's no reason why you can't sing it. Because that is a struggle to introducing something new and a, a very short season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have it as a prelude the first week of Advent, somebody's singing special music second week of Advent, third week of Advent, they're singing it. And then you go like almost a whole year before then you get to sing it again. Sure. Because we tend to think of these songs, you know, while well, it's Advent, so we can't sing it outside of Advent. Right. You know. Um, oh, that's hogwash. <laughs> you oh, I totally agree. It's fine. <laughs> As somebody, like, I love minor key hymns. So Advent and Lent, those are my favorite hymns mm-hmm. because I love minor key songs. And any excuse I have to put an Advent hymn, especially during that long season during the summer where it's, uh, you know, preachers will often call it normal time or ordinary ordinary time. time. That's what it's called. Ordinary time. Uh, Anytime I can put in an Advent or a Lent hymn because it's Mm -hmm. minor key, I'm going to do it. Like, oh, no, they're beautiful. They should not just be exiled to December. I I appreciate that both of you have up uplifted the idea of teaching new music and new songs, and I think that there's a there's a uh, spiritual wisdom or practice to that. Like not just like well we got to learn new songs, but like there's something good for our souls in the in the in the practice of learning new music. Um, not just so that we sort of uh, can get shaken out of our stodginess or tradition from time to time, but I think there's something valuable about the idea of being open to surprise or God doing new things or putting 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 things in new words that we hadn't we we aren't accustomed to. And I think the 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 big moments of the the church's life as we track the story of Jesus year by year, the the arrival of Messiah, the the way God's Messiah saves the world through death and resurrection are about these like confoundingly surprising, unexpected turns. I think there's something good about um, uh, occasionally having to learn new music that helps us get at that sense of surprise about being a little bit unsettled in this. Cause otherwise we can be so, I know how this story goes. I don't need to hear it again. Or we, we focus on, yeah, I know how it goes. There's a manger, mm-hmm. there's shepherds, all that. But like sometimes hearing a new poet's take on it or a new melody helps us to hear things that break us out of the, the shackles of familiarity, I guess. I, I want to, to, pick up on something that you said a little bit ago, Erica, um, that I I think is right. um, And I want to toss out maybe a a, a hypothesis about, about why maybe you, you had talked about how 
traditionally maybe uh, church folks can be better at singing lament or minor key or um, songs that are somber or or a little heavier in Lent, uh, you know, and focus on Jesus' mm-hmm. death and suffering and all that. And why aren't we as good about that in Advent? And I guess I wonder if part of the, the difference between these two seasons, so that it's not just that we have two Lent seasons and one is just before Christmas and one is before Easter, um, is I think almost the logic of Lent, like, assumes that the suffering that, that there's an answer that, that there's a reason for it like we're yeah. we're keyed into however our our atonement theology works is that somehow jesus suffering that's a necessary part of the equation and we can debate about the metaphors or the way it works but somehow that's a part of it and advent it feels like it asks a different question because the waiting it is is our waiting for God to move. You know, it's 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 like you say, there's there's centuries of silence. It's waiting for exile to come home when you would wanted to go home earlier. And that there's this sort of unanswered question of God, what where, how come you're not moving on my terms? How and and I guess I like or I feel like we need a season where it's okay to ask those questions and that the answer isn't like baked into the hymn text already. If we're suffering because Jesus had to die, be like, no, like sometimes we have to be in a place where we got to ask like the psalmist lament question of like, how long is this going to be God? Um, And Mm -hmm. if we don't get that permission in corporate worship, it's going to be a lot harder for people to ask those questions when they're going through those how long, oh Lord, seasons of their own lives, you know, whether it's how long am I living with a cancer diagnosis or how long is the grief going to be there after my spouse dies or how long is COVID going to last? I mean, like we go through those seasons and um, I don't know that it's a good pastoral or theological move to make the Lent move in those times of life. Say, oh, well, you're suffering because God requires you to suffer in order to be in the world. Nope, nope, danger, danger. Um, That we need uh, the, the, the permission almost to ask the how long question without that coming back to it's your fault or it's your responsibility. Sometimes all we can say is this is God's time and we don't, we don't get more answers than that. And I think that's why I tend to, when I think of Advent, I, for me personally, I've never really made the strong connection to the exiles because like Jeremiah says, the exile is going to last 70 years. There, mm-hmm. There's a time frame there, but I think of that time in between when the prophets stopped speaking there, none of the prophets said, well, in 400 years, right. You know, your Messiah is going to come. And even if they did, that's how many generations, Sure. you know, and that message can be lost. Um, and, and so it's that unanswered, like you said, unanswered waiting of like, how long, oh God, yeah. how long in the words of the psalmist. Um, and we don't have an answer to that one. We're like in Lent, you know, we ask, you know, how long do we have to suffer for? Well, until Easter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Easter is the end of our suffering through Lent. Um, But the birth of Christ isn't, it's the beginning of the end of the suffering. Right. And, and, and yet, I mean, like, like even to follow the way the narratives go, like the way Matthew tells it, my goodness, Jesus is, you know, still an infant and they got to you know, go on the run to Egypt as refugees for yeah. a while. And, you know, Herod goes on his tyrannical, you know, uh, killing the children in Bethlehem. Like, again, we edit all that out because we want Christians to be an end point to be, okay, we made it to the happy ending, baby born, you know, curtain closes, everybody's happy. But yeah, there is this lingering, it's still going on. There's still the mess. There's still the difficulty. So, okay. It sounds like we're at, 
uh, a place of yes, the hymns are can be weird. Yes, they can either be the learning curve of learning new music, or uh, they can be somber and and uh, heavier in their text. But it's worth it. Um, any any final thoughts for how how we'll use this this uh, this kind of music in these remaining weeks before we move on to uh, Advent four and part four of our series? I, I encourage you to listen to Advent music, like just because it's December. Um, doesn't mean that you have to listen to the Christmas music. Um, there are a couple of really good Spotify playlists for Advent, um, some of which are a lot more tongue-in-cheek. You know, they'll include like, uh, it's an REM song. Uh, it's the it's end of the world of- as we know it. Yeah, nice. yeah, it'll have it'll have some hymns like or songs like that, but um, yeah, just give Advent hymns a listen to, um, as a way to familiarize yourself with more hymns because, yeah, they're beautiful. And mm-hmm. again, I'm very biased because I love minor key hymns, but they're beautiful. So yeah, give them a shot this year or next year. You know, Advent all the way. <laughs> Nice, nice. Well, on that note, which is probably a minor keynote, uh, we hope you'll join us next time for more conversation here on Crazy Faith Talk. See y'all. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.